second and third services, which are my favorite, right? And I don't want to hurt their feelings. <laughs> and I, yes, I do tell every service that if you want. No, I'm just playing. And uh, hey, listen, so, such uh, um, great to see you, right? To, uh, to be a part. Um, I think during this season, we, we all must recognize, I've, I've tried to spend time in prayer saying, Lord, what are you doing? What are you speaking? What are you saying? And um, I really think that to the body of Christ, he is just bringing us to that place of authenticity. He's bringing us to that place of really making a decision of I'm going to be his and he's going to be mine. And uh, this feels like a lot of fluff has disappeared, all right, to some degree. And, uh, and with that, of, of making a conscious choice to say, I'm, I'm going to follow Christ. I'm going to be a Christ follower. And that's really been our heart and our passion uh, in 2020. We started off in January. Little did we know what was in front of us. But we started off saying that we wanted to, uh, to be a year of discipleship. Of following, of being Christ followers or building that strong foundation. Um, and so we've uh, navigated everything that we've had to navigate these last few months and we're still navigating and there's still challenges in front of uh, our world, in front of the body of Christ, in front of us as a, a corporate body of believers. And so, but the good news is there is good news, right? It's all about where you put your focus. The good news is he's still on the throne. He's still champion. He's still God of all. All right. No matter who is in the white house, who's uh, in the uh, world uh, health organization, who's with CDC, no matter what comes against us, how many know and your faith is firm in the fact that God is God of all and he is Lord of all and he is in control. Come on, somebody. Amen and amen. And, uh, and I'll tell you this, one thing I have learned, what you feed grows. If you feed your fear, it's going to grow. If you feed your faith, it's going to grow, right? And, uh, and so we want to be uh, men and women who feed our faith. And uh, so I'm thank you so much for being here this morning. For those who are watching via our live stream, we welcome you for engaging with us via technology this morning. I encourage you to go to Life Church of Alabama app, download the life notes this morning. We're going to jump in. If some of you already looked at it, most of the time I have usually three points or so that we uh, kind of keep as a pattern. Um, that you can take home, that you can study with you. I want to make sure we give you plenty of scripture references so you can grow and learn how to feed yourself. That's really important. Uh, the old adage that says, give the man a fish, feed him for a day, teach a man how to fish, feed him for a lifetime. We believe that here. And so today, if you look at your notes, you go, dear Lord, he's got five. We're not getting out of here until lunch, all right? And uh, we're just going to let second service join us. I'm just playing. All right, we'll stay in our same time constraints. But uh, today's a little bit unusual message. We've been in this message series entitled Relationship. And uh, we've got two more weeks. We're going to double up on uh, commandments 7 and 8, 9 and 10. It'll happen the next two weeks. And then uh, we are um, really believe the Lord has laid on our hearts what the next message series is supposed to look like. But in the middle of this word relationships, the number 10, for, you, for those of you who have not been here, why uh, do we have the number 10? It's because we are taking the 10 commandments, which God downloaded into Moses's, uh, to Moses, to the children of Israel as he was establishing that relationship. Everybody say Relationship. Oh, dear, look, come on, we got some work to do. Everybody say relationship. Come on, yeah, there we go. Y'all got to dance with me this morning, All right? And so as he was downloading into their hearts the how to have a relationship, these children of Israel had been in bondage for 400 years, and all they'd ever known was worshiping false idols. All they'd ever known was Egypt. It's all they'd ever seen, and they had heard stories of their forefathers, of Abraham and Isaac, and they'd heard uh, of what, how God had showed himself mighty and strong. But as they come out, and they are at the uh, base of Mount Sinai and God gives Moses the Ten Commandments. These Ten Commandments uh, were foundational principles that I believe, <coughs> excuse me, were key 
to how to have a healthy relationships. First with God, the first four apply to our relationship with God, the next six apply to our relationship with each other. Thus echoing even in the New Testament, he said, love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Number two was to love your neighbor as yourself. And so we see God echoing these, even in New Testament teachings. I've showed you each week um, how in, in number one, we had the principle of priority. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. The second commandment, uh, we had the principle of purity. Thou shalt not create any uh, images um, out of wood and uh, uh, stone, wood or stone that you worship, right? So with the principle of purity, number three was don't take the name of the Lord thy God's name in vain. We had the principle of profaning, what that really looks like to mean to profane the name of God and how we are carriers of his name. In week four, we talked about the principle of rest and how God did not create you to go 168 hours uh, a, a week as hard as you can go. And then we wonder why we're full of anxiety and depression and loneliness and burnout and all those things are, are atmospheres that we live our life in. It's because we don't really take serious while God has intended for us to rest, the principle, uh, uh, the Ten Commandment number four. I'm trying to talk fast and I'm mumbling my words. All right. And then last week we talked about uh, the fifth commandment: honor thy father and the mother, and how you and I should live a life with the aroma of honor coming out of our life. Everywhere we go, everything that we do, when you sit at the waitress's table, whenever you um, go to your workplace, whenever you're talking of politicians and governing officials and those who are above us and those who are underneath us, the, our aroma, the aroma of honor should really resonate from our life. Today, that gets us caught up. We're in commandment number six. Exodus chapter 20 continues this. And for some of you who maybe read it and have followed along, you said, thank goodness, finally there's a commandment that doesn't deal with me, <laughs> right? But the truth is it does. And I'm gonna show you here in a second. Verse number 20, or chapter 20, verse number 13 says, you shall not murder. If you and I were gonna make the 10 commandments, this probably would have made the top 10 list. Murder is bad, all right? I believe everybody does agree with that. And so today you say, okay, Brad, what does this principle look like? There, top of your notes, I put it, the principle of love. Everybody say love. All right, love, not Cupid flying around in a diaper with a bow and arrow shooting people, giving butterfly feelings because you love somebody. And no, this is not Valentine's Day, all right? And so, but it's understanding what God meant by, uh, for us to love one another. It's what God meant in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. Love uh, is an emotion, but it's also an action. And I want you to write that down because I believe it's important that we can talk about this idea of emotions because this really deals directly with our emotions that lead us to this place. John 10, 10 was the verse of which we launched Life Church. And we launched John 10, 10. It says, for the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but God comes to give us life and life more abundantly. And as God comes to give us life and life more abundantly, and we realize that he has us on this journey of being Christ followers that the enemy comes to. Watch the progression, all right? He comes to steal, he comes to kill, and he comes to destroy. There's a progression that leads us in our conversation today as we talk about this idea, and some of y'all are like, what's the cones for it? They'll make sense here in a second. First John chapter three, verse 15, there in your notes says this. It says, anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murder, First John. Old Testament or New Testament? 
New. All right, y'all are Bibles theologians right here. Right, First John, New Testament. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. Wow, that's strong. Right, and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. Romans chapter thirteen, verse number nine says, "The commandments: You shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet." Whatever you command, there may be all summed up into one commandment. And we see this principle today is to love your neighbor. So he's saying these principles I'm giving you to not murder, to not steal, to not covet. I'm giving you those principles, but uh, we can really sum them up. It really boils down to, are you living a life of love? Do you walk in love? Do we make the choice to love when we got the choice to hate? Are we choosing love? And I understand that kind of buzzes around today in society and it becomes a politically correct word. We just should be love and, and uh, condone and accept um, everybody. And let me, let me paint as clear the picture. I want you to hear what I'm saying. I say what I mean and mean what I say. Sometimes I believe the greatest manifestation of love that you can have in your life is to tell somebody the truth. Hello. You, you can have, your son or daughter can look at you and say, well, mom, dad, if you love me, you'll buy me a gun, right? I'm talking about your seven-year-old. I do believe I, I got plenty of guns in my house. Don't show up thinking you're going to rob me because something bad happened, right? And, uh, I'm not meaning that guns are bad. I'm meaning a seven-year-old don't need a handgun. Are you with me today? Why? They're not mature enough. They can't handle it. They can't process it. But if my seven-year-old Cooper Sheets looked at me and said, Dad, if you love me, you'd get me a gun just like you got. And the answer is no, you can't handle it, all right? And the reason I won't give this to you is because I love you, regardless if he stands there and pouts, regardless if he, the gun illustration made some of you nervous. Let me break it down for you. If your seven-year-old looks at you and says, you're not giving me Oreos for breakfast. If you love me, you'd let me eat Oreos. It's not healthy for him to eat Oreos every day for breakfast. You got me? And so the greatest manifestation of my love is to do what's best for him and to help lead him into the decision. So sometimes we think that we're not given a message of love or somebody says, well, you don't love me if you don't do this. And the truth is sometimes the greatest manifestation of love we can do is to tell somebody the truth. Tell them that their breath stinks. Tell them that they're headed to a path of destruction. Tell them that the decisions and choices that they're making are not good for them. And so the truth is love. Are you with me today? And a side note just to get you. So here's what he says. He says to love your neighbors yourself. And so I want want us to walk through and put out the rest of my cones this morning. We're going to walk through this progression of how in the world does somebody end up and murder? There's a progression for the enemy comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. Here's how we end up at that place. All right, so we're going to start and work backwards. Number one, hate precedes murder. In the story that we learn here in Genesis, we can watch and, and we see hate manifest. Why don't you look at the, the wording here in Genesis chapter number 37. But his brothers hated Joseph. Everybody knows the story of Joseph in the coat of many colors. But his brothers, what, how, what was their emotion towards him? They hated him right, because their father loved him more. So there was also jealousy rooted inside of them. They could not say a kind word to him. You ever been in that place before? I know some of y'all are a lot more spiritual than I am, but where you have a dislike and a distaste for somebody, you can't even say anything nice about them, all right? All right, sorry, I'm, I'm the unspiritual one in the room. It's okay, all right? And their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. One night, Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than 
ever. For the sake of time, I'll tell you the rest of the story. You know the rest of the story when he shows up, when they're out working in the um, field. They capture him. They throw him into a pit. They're, they're, they're trying to decide how they're going to kill him, what they're going to do. And then some slave traders show up. They end up selling Joseph to the slave traders. They take his coat. They tear it. And they go back to their dad. And they lie to him saying that it appears that Joseph was, uh, was killed by a wild animal. That's such hate in their heart that we see murder manifesting inside of their lives. You may be sitting here today and say, Brad, I would never uh, actually physically kill somebody. I, I get it. I'm not really worried about anybody in our church murdering somebody. All right, But I do think that we can apply this to another level. And we can say, how many relationships in your life have you killed or you walked away from because of your hate and your despise for somebody in your life? You may not have had the action of physically killing them, but there's a saying that say, that person is dead to me. You don't have to say, I mean, it's okay. That person is dead to me. I despise them so much. They hurt me so deeply. They wounded me so deeply. Whatever happened in your life that literally the easiest thing to do is to kill that relationship and we're done. Here's what Deuteronomy chapter 19, verse number 11 and 12 says this. But if you hate someone, don't you see the difference here and as hate manifests, and it's the motivation of hate. Is there a difference, Brad? People ask me this question. Is there a difference between killing and murdering? Is there a difference between when somebody's killed in war or somebody's killed um, by a, uh, maybe a cross or, or a police shootout or when a policeman uh, takes the life of an individual maybe that had drawn on them or uh, those contexts? And there's absolutely a difference, uh, even scripturally. And I don't have time really to dig into it deep, but don't you see here where he addresses the motivation? He says, but if out of hate, there's that word again, Again, someone lies in wait, assaults and kills a neighbor and then flees to one of these cities. The killer shall be sent from by the town elders and be brought back from the scene and handed over to the avenger of the blood to die. But if out of, what was that four letter word right there? Out of hate, out of hate. Won't you look at this? Joshua chapter 20, verse five. It's the avenger of the blood, that same guy. The avenger of the blood comes in pursuit. The elders must not surrender the fugitive because the fugitive killed their neighbor unintentionally and without malice or forethought. So saying that there's two different, really what does it come down to? It comes down to what was inside of this person's heart. Are you with me? But hate precedes murder. Is our society right now perpetrating the idea of hate, absolutely. And I believe that's why it is a down, or not, I won't say download because I don't give the appearance of saying it's heavenly. It's, the, it's an upload from the enemy into the hearts and lives to hate and despise anybody in their life, in their heart, because their skin color, because of their ethnicity, because of their race, because of how they grew up, because of the amount of money they got in their bank account, because of the language that they speak, because of any reason to allow hate into our heart, whether you agree or disagree, it goes back to last week to go, I can agree with you, but still honor, I mean, I can disagree with you, but still honor you. There's no place, listen to me, there's no place in your heart or your life as a New Testament believer to allow one ounce of hate to sneak its way into your heart or your life. Can I get an amen? Hate does not belong there. Number two there in your notes. I'm going to speed up just a little bit because we got to get to number four and five. All right. Hate precedes, here's that path. Hate, I'm sorry, anger precedes hate. Brad, I thought the Bible says be angry and sin not. It does. So there is a such thing as righteous 
anger. It does not mean that just because we're New Testament believers that you walk around fluffy and soft and cute and, and uh, that you're a, a theme for, for the Care Bear song, right? It means that we can have some resilience. You can have some backbone inside. You can say it's not okay. You can become a righteously angry person and sin not. It's what the scripture declares. But the question is, is this idea of anger inside of our heart. Look at Genesis chapter four, verse three through five. I'm giving you a lot of stories today so you can um, kind of see it demonstrated. Right? When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to God. Abel, as he brought a gift, the best portion of the firstborn lambs for his flock, the Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry. What's the last thing in your life that made you angry? Was it because you were right anger, anger, angrily because of righteous sake or was you anger because maybe somebody didn't do what you wanted them to do? Maybe somebody disobeyed you. Maybe somebody didn't, something didn't go your way. Somebody mistreated you. Something happened in your life that birthed anger inside of your heart. The question is, when anger comes knocking at your door, how do you handle it? What's the parameters that I process it with? Keep looking right here in scripture this morning. Here's what uh, he tells us. All right. Uh, he, all right. So keep going. Was there an extra? There was more verses to that. All right. Go to uh, verse number eight. That's what I wanted. There we go. Bounce over verse number eight. Sorry. Genesis eight. You got it back there with me? First verse, you the, uh, you're going Genesis three, eight. I'll read it to you. Or Genesis four. Sorry. Genesis four, verse number eight. We'll get this together this morning. All right, tells us that, uh, did he not get it? And I didn't put him in notes either. Sorry, go look it up. Number three, I put the reference and didn't type it out. Here we go. Number three, an offense, what precedes hate? An offense precedes hate. So we've got murder preceded by hate. What's preceded by anger? Preceded by an offense. What in the world is an offense, Brad? An offense is something that happens in your and my life. It happens on twofold, either an intentional offense or an unintentional offense. What do I mean by intentional offense? Intentional offense is something maybe that happened. Somebody lied to you, somebody stole from you, somebody cheated on you, somebody misled you, somebody wounded you. That is an offense that happens inside of our life, inside of our heart. What is an unintentional offense? It's whenever we allow something to, something happens. And a great example, well, you know what, Pastor Brad didn't talk to me today, and so I'm offended. Right. Nobody said nothing about my new haircut. Right. Don't act like that ain't real arguments because it absolutely has happened hundreds of times. Right. Nobody said nothing about my new haircut. Or maybe you get offended at your husband or your wife because you cleaned the house all day long and your husband showed up and he didn't uh, even recognize that you cleaned the house. Or husbands, you get offended at your wife because uh, you thought that she was going to do this or she forgot something that she was important to you. And you become offended not by what they did, but you become offended by what they didn't do. Are you with me? And so offense knocks on our door. Let's look at scripture, Matthew 24, 10. That's some great scripture. It says this, at that time, many will turn away from the faith and betray, and we see this, and hate each other. Another interpretation there says they actually will become offended. Many will become offended at one another and they will hate 
one another. And so we see this happening inside of our society today whenever offense happens. If you don't believe offense is real, then you spend one moment on social media. And I know I talk about it a lot, but it's a big part of our society today. It's because offenses happen left and right. And maybe you even make a statement and something gets totally taken out of context and somebody gets offended and wounded by it. It is an entry point. And here's what is interesting, my friend. The Greek word for offense is scandalon. S-K-A-N-D-L-O-N. And it literally means the part of the trap. If you've ever seen a, a bird trap where they'll take a stick and they'll hold it up and they'll put a piece of meat on that stick so that whenever uh, the pheasant or whatever comes up and it bumps that part of the stick and it catches them, literally that is the word for scandalone. Meaning this is that when you and I are presented with an opportunity for offense, that it is a snare, it is a trap, it is an opportunity for us to get caught and us to get stuck. And I believe of these three, this is where a lot of us land. And you say, I am wounded. I'm offended. I'm hurt. And you carry that a wound and you carry that offense inside of your life literally for years. And what breeds offense, right? Let's look at just a couple more scriptures. Then I'm gonna get to number four and five. And that's where we're gonna hang out for just a few minutes. Today. Mark chapter six, verses two and three. When the Sabbath came, he became, began to teach in the synagogue and many who heard him were amazed. Where these men get this gift? They asked the wisdom was given to him and they were remarkable miracles he was performing. Verse three, isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son, the brother James Joseph? We read this last week, y'all remember this? And Judas Simon, um, aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. They took offense at Jesus. Was it because he wounded them? No, it wasn't. They took offense at him because, number four, what precedes offense is unfulfilled expectations. You didn't meet my expectations and now I'm offended and wounded at you. Brad, I, my expectation of you was that you would shake my hand and say hi to me at church this morning. And so you walked right by and you didn't even talk to me. And so my expectation was not met. Now I'm offended at you. My expectation of my spouse was to meet my needs. And when they don't meet your needs, you become offended at them. My expectation of my government is to do this. And whenever they don't meet my needs, then I become offended at them. Offenses always come knocking at your door, my friend, when expectations are not met. And that is a great preaching point right there because this is the snare, this is the vice. And I have watched, hear me as clear as I can say this today. I have watched even in my own life, you can know this principle, know this truth, but when offense comes knocking at your door and you feel completely justified and you feel you have the right and I have the right to be offended, I have the right to be hurt, I have the right to be wounded. Brad, you don't understand. You got to know my side of the story and why this happened to me in my life. And then you want to carry that offense with you everywhere you go, everything that you do. You want to tell everybody your story. You keep it in the back of your mind. And literally the enemy wants to take you on a progression of stealing, killing, and ultimately destroying that person that you have an offense towards in your life and in your heart. Amen, oh me. It's all same verbiage. Say so why? Because this is that progression that the enemy walks in our life. Can we just have a confession moment here? I have been offended at people before and I've held on to it way longer than I should have. Anybody join with me today? You say, I've walked in a fence, Brad. I've walked in and you have to guard. This is that place that the enemy sometimes will even make offense taste sweet. 
And it tastes good to my lips to be offended and mad and upset and angry at somebody. But I'm telling you, husbands and wives, this is the entry point where the enemy sneaks in. And before you realize it, you'll have a progression to where maybe you're not murdering your spouse, but you're willing to kill a relationship. And it started back here. You know how many counseling sessions I've said, and they said, it just started with something small where I burnt dinner and they said something smart aleck and before we realized we're hollering and screaming at each other to the point where now our relationship's not sleeping on the couch and we hadn't been there. Are, are you with me today? It's how the enemy wants to progress us towards offense. Here's what scripture continues to tell us, all right? First number, or, uh, sorry, let's go to number five and then we're gonna talk, we'll, we'll, we'll go from there. Forgiveness precedes love. Unfulfilled expectations precedes offenses. Forgiveness precedes love. I'm fixing to give you the best band, don't you come up with it. I'm fixing to give you the recipe, my friend, to help you walk with a level of clarity and emotional, mental cleanliness in your life. That I think about the wasted time, the wasted tears, the wasted moments of Brad Sheets' life because I allowed offense to come in. So Brad, what do I do? Forgiveness precedes it. What does it mean to forgive? The word forgive literally translates into release. What does it mean to release? See, offense really means you owe me a bill. And until you pay me your bill, I'm not gonna forgive you or I'm not going to let this go. That payment might mean I need you to ask me for an apology. I need you to, to apologize to me. That bill might mean many different things for me, different situations. But at the end of the day, you're holding on to something because you feel like you are owed something. I'm owed an apology. I'm owed, owed some level of redemption. I'm, I'm, I'm owed something. But forgiveness literally means I release. And I don't, you don't owe me that debt anymore. So forgiveness does not have to be a two-way street, my friend. Forgiveness can be a one-way street. And you even, today before you walk out of here, you can go, I'm letting it go. What that person did to me, my boss that lied to me, my coworker that falsely accused me, my ex-husband, my ex-wife that wounded me so deeply today, I'm gonna choose just to let it go. And maybe it's a process of letting go. It might be letting go bad thoughts. It might be letting go those words that echo through your head that you continue to hear of conversations you had. It might be letting go of, um, and, and, and letting it lay down every single day until you say, finally, I've let it go, I forgive. And it's tough. And we make a choice and we make a decision to forgive. So Brad, what are you trying to tell us today? that if we can have enough wisdom in our life to not wait till we get here and there's wounds and there's hurts, there's deep scars and man, we need some deep surgery. And maybe even here as we allow hate in our life or here as we allow anger that boils up inside of us. But the moment forgiveness comes knocking at my door and I make a choice or offense comes knocking at my door and I choose, I'm gonna choose forgiveness. I'm gonna choose it. And it doesn't have to be a two-way street. I've had people walk up to me and they'll, let me help you just a little bit, okay? 
They say, Pastor Brad, I forgive you. And I'm like, okay, what do you forgive me for? Like, I got mad at you a few weeks ago and I was upset at you. I just want you to know I forgive you. Oh, that's great. Are you with me? I didn't know I hurt you. So you, you don't have to necessarily go to that person unless the Bible speaks of that ought. If there's an ought that the air needs to be cleared, then you need to go to them. But if it's just something in your heart you're hanging on to, then you might need to just lay it down. Say, God, I need to whom much forgiveness has been given, much is expected. And I've been forgiven so much. God's forgiven me of my trespasses. He's forgiven my sins. He's forgiven me of my bad attitudes. He's forgiven me. Matthew chapter five, verse 43. There's several verses there. We'll read this one. You've heard the law says, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But I say, you mean that guy that, that really at the end of the day, you know what we say, enemies? We want to say death to our enemies. Maybe not physical death, but can we just be real? You ever had an, an ought against somebody and when you find out something bad happened to them, it puts a little smile on your face? You say, sorry, good for nothing, Joker. He deserved it. Hello? Okay, just me. I'm the only one that's done that before. They earned it. They deserved it. Serves them right. Instead of being back here saying, you know what? I forgive them. It breaks my heart that that happened to them. But he tells us plain as day. He says, but I say, love your enemy. Pray for those who persecute you. Hate and love cannot exist inside the same relationship. I can't say I have hate. I love you, but I hate you. It'll happen. So today, my friend, so we're saying forgiveness precedes love. If I'm gonna walk in love, I'm gonna have to choose forgiveness. I'm gonna have to choose See, this applies in every area of relationships. God has missed my expectations before. God, I thought I prayed this prayer and I thought you were gonna show up. There's people who can be offended at God because God didn't do what you thought he was supposed to do, so you're offended and you're wounded at him. You have to make a choice. I mean, I have to forgive in your heart. You have to release it. Say, God, I trust you. And it's not worth walking in anger or hate or bitterness because this path that it leads to is a path of destruction, my friend. But when I choose forgiveness, one more verse, Genesis 27, verse 41. From that time Esau hated. Remember the story of Jacob and Esau? Jacob stole Esau's birthright. He fled because Esau said, I hate you, I wanna kill you. We'll show you what the good news happened 20 years later. Genesis chapter 33, verse number one. From that time on, he hated him. Then Jacob looked up. So 20 years later, Jacob looked up, saw Esau coming with 400 men. Wonder what was going through Jacob's mind. Probably it's a good day to die. 
your enemy, your brother who hates your guts because you stole his birthright from him. It's coming your way with 400 men. Esau coming for a man, so he divided the children among Leah, Rachel, and his two servants. He said, hey, my lineage is gonna survive. He put the servants and their wives and the children at the front and Leah and her children next and Rachel and Joseph. Then Jacob went on ahead. As he approached his brothers, he bowed to the ground seven times before him. Then Esau ran to meet him, embraced him, threw his arms around him and his neck. He kissed him and they both wept. Quick question, did Esau experience release from what had happened in his life? by the right clothes in this room today. The principle of love. I know, I'm gonna say it as clear as I can say it. I know you can sit here all day long and justify the offense and the wound that's happened in your life. You say, yeah, Brady, you don't understand. My dad hurt me, my mom hurt me, my uncle, my aunt hurt me, my ex-spouse my ex-wife, my ex-husband, they hurt me, they wounded me, my, my boss, they wounded me, they hurt me, they offended me. And you can justify it all day long to hang on to that offense. And I'm telling you today, maybe some of you have even progressed past offense and you become so angry and enraged and it's already stolen and killed and destroyed parts of your life. It's already led you down this progression today. And today I'm asking you, and I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, how does this apply to my life? Because you must hit the pause button, my friend, and come back to that principle of love. And to walk in forgiveness and say, I'm releasing that offense. I'm releasing that wound. I'm releasing that pain. I'm releasing that anger. I'm releasing that hate out of my heart. I'm releasing that maybe despising that man or woman or situation or circumstance. I'm releasing it out of my heart today. And the only way, my friend, that you can release it is to replace it with his presence and with his love. Make that declaration. There in your verse, or there in your notes, I put in Matthew. It's that we love, that we've been forgiven much. And today, I want you to ask this simple, as we wind up this morning, I want you to say, Holy Spirit, how does this apply to me? Don't allow the enemy to justify it in your mind. Don't allow the enemy, but you know you've got something that's eating away. It's causing you to have a level of unhealthiness today before you walk out of this room, we're going to give it to him. Are you ready this morning, church family? I know this is deep. I know this is 8.30 service, a little bit intense, but it's okay because today God wants you to release it and let it go and not to carry it anymore. From front to back, side to side, will you stand up on your feet with me this morning? We're going to pray together and ask him. Come right there where you're at. We're going to ask him. Do you got something you need to respond with this morning? You say, Brad, I, I really need to release. I need to release. Brad Sheets has some areas of my life as I was studying this message. I said, I've got to release that. Some, some disappointment, some hurt, some wounds. It's that little bit of infection that stays in your life and stays in your heart. You've got to release it, my friend. Come on, from front to back, side to side this morning. You say, I'm going to choose love. I'm going to choose forgiveness. I'm going to choose today that I will not allow the enemy to take me down a road of progression of anger and hate inside of my life and inside of my heart to where my relationships become destroyed. Maybe you've walked that progression before and today you need to just that fresh new start in your life and in your heart. And you say, God, today I surrender to you. Today I lay that offense that wound down. Come on, right there where you are, your eyes closed. Can you lift your hands as a sign of surrender?
Peter and vocally tell him, say, God, I release, and maybe name that person's name. God, I release that situation where I was unjustifiably talked about. Lord, I release that situation where you were fired at work uh, and didn't have reason or cause to. I release that hurt. I release that pain today. God, I give it to you. God, the good news of the gospel, and God, that you give hope, God, where there is hurt. God, you give beauty for ashes. And Lord, today, God, I thank you for every man, woman, and child. And God, I release into their life. God, we lay down that what the enemy meant to destroy our lives. God, Lord, we give it to you this morning and declare your presence, declare your power, and declare your purposes. Lord, in the 